You're listening to a podcast from Grace Church in Salado, Texas. For more information and resources just like this, visit us online at gracesalado.com. Today's scripture readings are from James chapter 4 and Hebrews chapter 10. Uh, We'll start in James chapter 4, verses 6 through 8. If you're using the Bible in front of you, that's on page 1073. Here's what James says. But he gives greater grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. And from Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 to 22, on page 1067 of the Bible in front of you, here's what the writer of Hebrews says. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have boldness to enter the sanctuary through the blood of Jesus, he has inaugurated for us a new and living way through the curtain that is through his flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed in pure water. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, church, for allowing us to have a week off. We were in the mountains of New Mexico last week. We were just south. Even though we got some of that blizzard, uh, we were not in any way in danger unless we wanted to sleep outside. Um, It was gorgeous. It was beautiful. Thank you for allowing us to have the time. I know some of you were away last week and some are away this week and traveling. We pray continually for God's guidance and protection for those who are traveling and away from their church home. And I pray that like we, like I experienced last week, that those who are away would have this sort of nagging pain. I miss my people. I miss my church. Um, That's what we want here. We want people who aren't able to be here on a Sunday morning to, to miss it and want to be back. And so that's how I felt last week, and I'm glad to be back. We have um, walked through, uh, I say walked through, we worked through Galatians, and it ended two weeks ago when Rob last week talked from and, and felt led to preach from Acts chapter 2, which was exactly what I was going to do if I went on vacation Believe it or not, that really was where I was going to go before we went into the next series, and Rob did that last week. And as I was away this week, I thought, what is something, Lord, that, that we need to hear? What is it I need to hear? And so what I'm about to present is a two-week, um, many little short series on the nearness, on nearness to God, intimacy with God. Just two weeks. If you know me, if you've been here long enough, you know that what I like to do is go verse by verse through books of the Bible uh, for a lot of reasons. Won't get into that today. But what I feel led to do right now is spend two weeks on nearness to God. And this week we're going to do a little backwards. Usually what we do is I like to present to you what the scriptures say about something grand and wonderful that's an invitation for us and our drawing to God. And this is what scripture's saying. I like to unpack it. And then I like to lead us into uh, what keeps us from that, so, so to speak. But today I felt led that we should begin that way. Begin with why nearness to God eludes us. What's in the way? 
in a, in a way, if I could be so blunt, I'm going to give to you what I needed last week. I need and I would like to see God start to crack the hard shell where it needs to be cracked this week. So that next week when we come together, we would be sort of in awe of the invitation that is available to us that we can be near to a creating God. Let's pray. Help help us, God. Reveal what needs to be revealed. Help me. Teach me and teach us all that we may not allow the devil to get in the way anymore in our lives, in our pursuit of being near to you. Show us what's in the way. Convict us and help us in our pursuit of you. We believe you to be this loving, this kind, and this generous, and we're asking for this grace in your name. Amen. So I was struck with the very grand reality that is both beautiful and yet so terribly sad. And the beautiful part is this, that it is God's will that we draw near to Him. Did you catch that? It is His will. It is His will, a a sovereign God who created everything as beautiful as this day is, as glorious as the snow-covered mountains are, the God who created everything. It is His will that you be near to Him. Time fails us here to be able to share all the stories and all the passages that are found in this meta-narrative of Scripture that show God's heart to be near to His children. You can see it on almost every page, in every story, in every relationship with God in this text You do a study of church history. You do a study of awakenings and revival throughout the world and everything is a cry and a call that God wants you to be near to Him. He wants us when we grumble. When when my kids grumble, there's a part of me that's like, "It's, it's okay if you go to your room. When I grumble, my family says, it's okay that Dad's kind of away. In his office or study, I would prefer him being there. In Exodus 16, verse 9, here's God's heart for us when we grumble. He says, say to the entire Israelite community, come before the Lord. just, Just that alone. Say to the entire Israelite community, come before the Lord, for He has heard your complaints. Do you ever get tired of hearing people complain? What do you do? Oh, there they are. I'm going to go this way. I'm going to go that way. I hope they go this way or that way. No, God says, come. I'm hearing their complaints. As Aaron was speaking to the entire Israelite community, they turned toward the wilderness, and there in a cloud, the Lord's glory appeared. Even when we grumble, He wants to be near. 
when we are broken, when we are incomplete, He wants to be near. When you try out for a team and you don't quite measure up, the team says, we don't want you near us. You're cut. You didn't make the squad. You do your SAT or ACT or apply for a job and you don't quite measure up. The schools say, we don't want you near us. Go to this place. Go to that place. The employer says, it's time for you to go somewhere else. You don't quite measure up. But when we're broken and when we don't quite measure up, here's what God says in Psalm 34, 18. It, actually, the psalmist says, the Lord is near the brokenhearted. Another translation says, the Lord is near those who are broken. He wants to be near us. This is beautiful. And here's the thing. Even though none of us deserve intimacy with Him, He still wants us. John 3.16 For God so loved the world this way. He gave His one and only Son so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. Those, those are broken, complaining, sinning people. And then we come to our text today in James chapter 4, verse 6-8. I just want to read it again. It says, He gives greater grace. I'll give the context of this in a little bit later. But He gives greater grace. Therefore, He says, God resists the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. That's what we were praying for today. When we bow ourselves, we're saying, God, give us grace. We're bowing to you. We want to humble ourselves before you. He gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God key here submit to god resist the devil he will flee from you draw near to god and he will draw near to you this speaks of a god who says to us i want you to do what you must do so that you can be near to me the second text that Daniel read is the declaration uh, where Scripture reveals that he did what he must do so that you can begin doing what you must do. Does that make sense? And James, resist the devil, flee, draw near to God. How's that possible? Well, it's possible because of what we're going to read in Hebrews 10. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have boldness to enter the sanctuary, how? Magic code? Special pills? Perfect behavior? Nope. We have boldness to enter the sanctuary through the blood of Jesus. He has inaugurated for us a new and living way through the curtain, that is, through His flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. This is beautiful. It's wonderful news. 
it should shock us, right? I mean, this is a, a sovereign, mighty God, and He's saying, I want to be near to you, and you know what you were thinking yesterday. You know what you were dealing with this week. You know your behaviors and your patterns, and if you don't know them, the people around you know them. This is the beautiful part. The terribly sad part about this is it doesn't shock us. The terribly sad part about this is we habitually turn down this amazing offer to be near to a holy God. Since it is His will, since He has done His work, and since He wants us, then we need to ask the question. We're going to begin it this way. Why? Are we not intimate with God? Why are we not experiencing nearness to God? Why is nearness to God eluding us day after day after day? I'll give you the short answer. And then, of course, because I'm preaching, I'll break it down longer. The short answer is real simple. We do not experience the nearness of God, intimacy with God, because... You ready to write this down? This is profound. We don't seek Him. We don't pursue Him. Next week, we are going to look at the amazing benefits. That word seems so trite. Perks seems so, just doesn't seem right. But the amazing benefits and perks of a life that is near God. But today... I want us to begin looking at what eludes us and why this eludes us. And the answer is we do not pursue or seek God. Now, let's break that answer down. In James chapter 4, verse 8, we are told that if we would draw near to God, then He will draw near to us. But in verse 7, there's something that is obviously in the way. Therefore, submit to God, and here we go, resist the devil. We are instructed, let's break it down, to not submit to the devil. To not to submit to anything the devil is offering up for us. But to submit to God. We are to resist the devil. And if we submit to God and we resist the devil, we will find this freedom of drawing near to God. It's as if... James understands that the major obstacle to our nearness to God is us being bound up, us being hassled by the work of the devil. It is this bound up, this tangled life that's keeping us from our intimacy with the Lord. And I want to invite you to join me in in, in investigating your life, examining your life, I believe there are at least, at least, there's more, but probably at least these four types of bindings that the devil is using to keep us from intimacy and nearness to God. And as simply as I can put it in a 30-minute message, I'm going to sort of package these in two sets. So there's four. The first combination is a combination of something like arrogance and ignorance. That's combination groupings, number one. It's keeping us from intimacy and nearness to God. The second combination is a combination which kind of involves the first combination, but not entirely, but is a combination of fear 
and doubt. As quickly as I can, let's look at these. Turn with me to Luke chapter 18. I have no idea what page it is in in the Bible in front of you. Um, But it's right after Luke 17. And um, in Luke chapter 18, verse 18 through 23, we're going to read a story that is very familiar. It's found in Mark cha- I mean Matthew chapter 19. It's found in Mark chapter 10. And we're going to read the, the copy of the version that Luke writes in Luke chapter 18 of a man that's mostly known as the rich young ruler. The wealthy young guy. The wealthy young leader. Whatever you want to call him. Verse 18, here's what we see. A ruler asked him, Jesus, a ruler asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus asked him. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. Verse 21, I have kept all these from my youth, he said. When Jesus heard this, he told him, you still lack one thing. Sell all you have and distribute it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. After he heard this, he became the the rich young ruler, he became extremely sad because he was very rich. One of the things that's keeping us from intimacy with God, I believe, is arrogance. Some similarities that we have with this wealthy young man that keeps us from intimacy and nearness to God is that like him, we too approach God arrogantly. Arrogance says, we don't believe that we need what you are offering, God. This man was shocked, probably, that Jesus required more of him than just good behavior. Did you notice when Jesus said, here, do you know the commandments? And he lists these commandments. These are the the bottom commandments that deal with dealing with people. Jesus didn't even mention the commandments that come before that that deal with his relationship with God. His arrogance speaks loudly when he answers the Son of God with, I have kept all of these since my youth. Imagine the tone. Imagine the Son of God who knows better. What? No, you have not. But he, Jesus doesn't reply that way. We know that Jesus feels this way about his answer because just above that, Jesus says no one is good except God alone. But yet, this guy has the audacity to tell who he thinks is a good teacher, I've done everything well. I've been good. In Matthew's version, it's recorded that Jesus replied to him, well, there's still one thing you lack to be perfect. See, the guy thinks he's perfect. 
And sort of tongue-in-cheek, Jesus is replying back to him, you think you're so good, you are missing the whole first three or four commandments of the Ten Commandments. You don't want God. You think you've got it all figured out. This is an arrogant man. He wanted to get from God, but he did not want to be near God. I wonder how much of this describes our relationship with God today. God, I want from you, but I don't really want you. I don't really want to follow you. I don't want to take that risk or that sacrifice or really be that close. I mean, I'm not that hungry for your presence to be with you every day, every day. I just want you to tell me and affirm to me that I am a good boy. Do you ever approach God that way? If so, one, you're company. You notice I didn't say good company. You're in company with people who are arrogant. It's keeping you from nearness to God. This young man is saying, I just want you to notice my work. I want you, God, just to bless my work. I don't want to go here. I've got to do more. I just want you to say, good job. Go on your way. He simply thought it was good enough and he didn't need more from God. The arrogant do not believe that they need to be near God. And he was wrong, and he went away sad. He chose to not be near God and be sad versus be near God and be fulfilled. Arrogance also says this, that we want the world more than we want God. Let's go back to James and let's look at the context of why James is writing what he's writing. Let's back up to verse 2 of chapter 4. He writes, verse 2, You desire and you do not have. Some versions put a therefore next. It says, You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and you wage war. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you don't receive because you ask with the wrong motives. Sounds like the rich young guy. So that you may spend it on your pleasures. You adulterous people. Don't you know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? So whoever wants to be the friend of the world becomes the enemy of God. Or do you think it's without reason that the Scripture says the Spirit He made to dwell in us envies intensely? But He gives greater grace. Therefore, He says, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Arrogance. The cravings for more stuff happens when we take our eyes off the supplier and focus on our supply. When we focus on our supply or the lack of supply, we now can see the devil at work. We're not resisting the devil. In fact, he's keeping us focused on our stuff. You don't have this, but they have that. Don't you want that? You don't have this, but they have this. You know, and that's the way greed and coveting works. Worldly lust kicks in and we find ourselves distant from the presence of God. 
God resists the proud. And He, whether we realize it or not, He exposes our love for the world versus our love for Him. But He gives greater grace, even to those who are arrogant. One thing that the wealthy, worldly loving man realized was that coming close to Jesus meant that he was going to be exposed with how unholy he is. And he didn't want to expose more of that. So in his arrogance, he turned his back. And in his sadness, he walked away from nearness with God. Another part of this combination is not just arrogance, it's ignorance. I won't spend a lot of time here, but we are not near God because we claim that maybe we don't know how to get near to God. We don't know how to resist the devil. We don't know how to draw near to God, and we don't know how to change. So we get stuck. Well, this is why a commitment to the church body is so important. Don't blow off the community of God. Don't blow off the family of God. Rob talked about last week the significance of the church and devoting ourselves to the teaching and to worship and to fellowship, the prayer and the sacraments. Why? So that we won't live in ignorance about God's desire for you to come near to you and how to grow. We must commit together to learn from one another. This is why we offer weird things. Did you just call the church weird, Jason? Yeah, we're weird. It was weird in Acts 2. It's weird when we do it today if we really zoom out and think about what we're doing. We're asking you to bring your children to a thing called Vacation Bible School. What? Just the, if we didn't know what that was, it just sounds weird. Vacation Bible School in four days? It's a place where your kids can come and for hours get consumed with how to come near to God. That's why we ask you to join a community group. That's why we ask you to go to, ask, tell your students to come to camp where they put up their phones, put up the media, put up the peer pressure, put it all away so that they can just kind of get away. And possibly through prayer, realize the grace of God and be consumed with the nearness of God because everything else is shut out. Another part of our ignorance is not just not knowing how, which we feel is solved within community groups in the church, but part of our ignorance is we don't realize what we're missing. We don't realize what God is offering when he says, come near to me. That's next week. Come back next week. Hear this invitation now. For those of you who might be ignorant to what it means to be near to God, Come back and hear the invitation. Here's what is offered to us. So the first combination of how the devil's working is a combination of arrogance and ignorance together. But there's a second part of this combination, of a combination that we need to resist from the devil, and he uses fear <clears throat> fear and doubt that keeps us from being near to God. This was Martin Luther's issue. Martin Luther, you know, the Protestant Reformation, sort of the hero of the faith. Most of his issue was he was bound up thinking he's not doing enough. 
He was afraid. He was terrified of a God who can cast him into hell. And so he was doing and doing and doing and doing. And one day it just broke through where the grace of God was realized in his life. Fear keeps us from ever feeling worthy or fearing and feeling that God would ever want us. Fear enslaves us in our shame, makes us afraid of His holiness. We hear stories about this wealthy young man and, and we say, I get it. I can understand that. It sounds safer to be away from Jesus. It sounds like the closer I get to Him, the more I'm going to get exposed. I don't really want that, so I'm afraid of that eventually, and we just leave sadly. But when we look at verse 6 in this section of James, we hear even these hard words, but we hear the commitment of God. He gives greater grace. How much fear do you have? This much? This much? This much? Well, whatever it is, He gives greater grace to cover those fears. With fear, we have doubt. Ultimately, our arrogance and our ignorance causes us eventually to even doubt that God Once us, we might doubt the nearness to God is worth it. We might doubt that God would ever want to make time for us, ever want to hear us or listen to us. Oh, look at the cross. Does God really want me? I doubt God would ever want me. Yeah, I want you so much. I'm sending my son for you. Arrogance, ignorance. Fear, doubt, all things that are keeping us from nearness to God. And so, these are trappings from the devil, keeping us from seeking Him. And I want to ask you, which is it in your life? If arrogance, then you are, let me just say this, you are in awe of something. You're just not in awe of God. You might be in awe of yourself. You might be impressed with what you can do without God. You're in awe of your coping mechanism. You're in awe of your checklist that you get to check off. And you only feel good when you've checked off the 20 things on your list, even though you've ignored God all day long. Like the rich young ruler, you're in awe of your own behavior, maybe. Look how good I am. I'm the best in the church. I attend more than anybody. Come back next week. I invite you to hear something bigger, something grander, that you, like James tells us, that you can submit to gladly. And that you can resist the devil and that will help you draw near to God. If it's ignorant in your life, my prayer every week in this church that anybody who attends this congregation on a regular basis can never say that they're ignorant to how to get close to God. 
My prayer is that nobody who comes here will leave here ignorant to the fact that God wants you. He loves you. It's in our name. We want grace for you. So this week, before you fall into bed, if, if you just don't know how to be near to God, you don't even know if He wants you, this week, six nights, before you fall into bed, just pray and ask God to make you aware of His great plan to be near to you. Would you do that? If you don't know how to do this, you don't know how to get near to God, just pray and ask God, would you show me your plan to get near to you? Just pray it. Ask Him. If it's fear, a fear that maybe God might strike you or might not want you because you're so dirty, this week remember that He sent His Son to die for you. He's not going to strike you. He struck His Son for you. He wants you. He wants you. So when the enemy wants to try to convince you, oh, no, 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 God's going to smite you. He's going to strike you. Just picture the cross. No, He's already done that to His own Son for me. And it's through His blood, Hebrews 10, back to that, that I can be near God. Doubt, if you doubt that nearness to God or intimacy with God is worth it, I invite you again next week. It's all an invitation to come next week. Arrogance, ignorance, fear, doubt, maybe these are some of the things that you have to start this week resisting. Resist the devil. He will flee. Submit to God. Not to these things. Don't submit to fear. Don't submit to arrogance. Submit to God. Be in awe of Him. Draw near to Him and He will draw near to you. So, as we begin just sort of this time of reflection, and by that I mean we're about to head into a a week of reflection. That's what I'm encouraging you to do. What is it that's keeping me from being intimate with God? It may not even be one of these four things. There may be something else in your community groups. Share that. Say, you know, I, I, it's not fear, it's not doubt, it's not, but man, it's, it's this, it's, or it's that, or my fear is being played out this way, or talk it out with people. Receive prayer, because I promise you, next week, you're going to hear not a vision for the church, you're going to hear God's vision for His creation. Come near to me. Come near to me. And my prayer is that you would have done the work this week to submit and work and reflect so that next week you can go, yes, I receive it. Yes, I want it. Yes, I need it. I want to close by reading something. Um, Oh, I didn't bring it. Never mind, I'm doing it next week. Sorry. I want to close then (laughs) by inviting all of us to think of this song that the praise team's going to sing. Now, it's not a song that's going to be like take roots deep into the ground and anchor everything. This is a song of invitation just to sort of think and reflect on who God is and where we are with Him.
It's just a song. It's not scripture. But I'm going to read you some of these words as part of our prayer. In the secret place where I see your face, will you take me there again? You can search my heart in the deepest part from beginning to the end. To you, my eyes are lifting. To you, my prayer will be rising up. You've captured my attention, so would you consume me? God, give me a heart abandoned. Almost like it's not there yet. Like I really want to submit to you and not to these other things. Give me a heart that's after you alone. Give me a heart that pursues you. Give me a heart that will say every week, all I want is God. God, if there's anybody here who has never trusted you, never given their life to you, and they're They've left you, they've turned away from you, or maybe they've never been brought near to you. And they're sad without you. They're broken without you. They're, they feel far from you. I pray, oh God, have mercy. Give more grace to them. I pray today you would draw them to you. That they would seek you. That they would abandon everything else to be near to you. Oh God, please give more grace this week. In Jesus' name, amen.